she'll see you as a wimp. Oh, yeah. And a complete lack of engagement mm. with the materiality of life, mm. the reality of substance. She is a substance. Why the hell would you just back off and philosophize and not relate? Don't do it. It's stupid. Stop following these bloody philosophers. Have you ever heard of a clinical philosopher? <laughs> Have any of them ever gone into mental health and got anybody straight? No, they fucking haven't. As a neurotic alibi for your failure to engage with life. Now that failure is human and it's forgivable entirely if you stand up. If you stand up and get out there, draw on your instincts, allow mm -hmm. your genomic self and your psychological self, which is an expression of that, to release to you what you need to have to engage with the world. Then when you engage with women, even if they are in a disordered mess, you will be able to draw out from them what they need from within their own lapis, within their own stone. Yeah. Because a woman who's animus possessed is anything but free. Yeah. Anything but yes. free. Yes. She's being controlled from within. That's the deception. That's the thing mm. that women need to wake up to, that they're not in control of themselves at all. And it's the same with the anima and men. Um, and this is the problem with some, I'm not going to name names, but some internet gurus, male ones, are actually anima possessed themselves to the extent that they're completely unconscious of their relating function. I had a dream once. Welcome back everybody to Young to Live By. Absolute pleasure to see you back here again. Today we are talking about instinct, masculine instinct, feminine instinct, and how this all ties together in the modern world. We're returning back to our cultural commentary, I guess you could call it, using Jungian psychodynamics to attempt to explain it, and more particularly using the characters and the narrative within Lilith, the book that Steve and Pauline wrote, to try and illustrate those things. Today we touch on two main things, I would say, which is the red pill and the black pill. It's kind of these two cultural things, cultural philosophies, ideas, camps of people, if you like, and where these things might come from and how one might adapt to those things, moving away from those things, because things are not quite as simple, and you'll see from around from Steve in this video, as you come up with a philosophy, like, say, the black pill, or, say, the red pill, and that is therefore correct and objective. I mean, historically, we know it's not true it can't be true you've got loads of philosophers that all come up with their own different things and why that will be the case well steve goes on and talks about that in this video so we talk about masculine instinct how one can get back in touch with their instincts and how one can deal with a world of course that seems to have less hope more chaos more nonsense that we all have to deal with which seems to be the fight that our generation if you're my age my my uh, my generation has to deal with. But I begin with uh, talking to Stephen Pauline about a dream that I had very, very recently involving the Lilith material. It's a very simple dream. Of course, I'll remove other aspects that potentially, for a variety of different reasons. But essentially, it was me in the, in the dream. And somebody said to me, Adam has to be prepared to die for Lilith. And I woke up. And when I woke up from this well, I go on and explain in a little bit. So, Steve and Pauline, what might that mean, this unorthodox-style dream, that Adam, this everyman character, somehow related to myself, has to die in order to get this divine form or relate to the divine form? What do you guys think? Yeah, it is very, very timely, and 
in our field, and James, you are a part of that field because you, you, you're part of this, this organisation, this group, this professional body, um, and you're moving forward with your career and your, and your development. Obviously, if something occurs and your psyche reacts, then it's, it's important that you take notice of that. So sharing that now is important. Uh, we also know from direct messages from Discord and from other sources that this material has constellated a lot of things for a lot of people. So it'll be valuable to talk about that. Yeah, in its context then, the figure of Adam stands for every man and the importance of the little ego, the little ego if you like, being prepared to surrender itself or to die. This is a metaphorical death, followed by the metaphorical or mythical rebirth within which he would have become receptive to the archetypal feminine. So the elements can mix. Otherwise, they're too opposed. They can't mix. They stand in polarity. That isn't helpful. It won't work. So what I think was happening there is that your dream had gotten ahead of the process that we're working on through these videos right now on this, this topic and anticipated the direction that we should be going in. So personally, I think that's very important. What would you think on that, Paul? Yeah, um, I, I think that um, there seems to be a great desire to understand the culture Mm. Um, and, and the context um, that we live in, the zeitgeist that we live in. And I don't think we can ignore that. Um, to try and um, uh, to omit that from our overall understanding of things is, is crazy. Yeah. Because quite clearly um, it has an impact. Yes. On how instinct is expressed yeah. for men and for women. Yeah. Uh, and so we we do need to understand the current zeitgeist to understand yeah. um, what might be impacting on us, why, what might be preventing us from getting in touch with our uh, our deeper instinctual natures, whether it's the um, you know the deep instinctual feminine or masculine for that matter. Um, and there is a tendency, and, and, and I think, again, we've discussed this before, um, with psychological theories to omit the importance uh, of the environment, of culture, mm. um, and to not see the relevance of that and, and, and how it, it impacts us, yeah. how it might prevent us from becoming who we really are. Yeah. So I, I think we... The feedback we're getting is that we have to at least be inclusive of that. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a context, isn't it? It is a, a context, without uh, a doubt. And also, uh, individuals, and James obviously, as an individual personality, is that, are nevertheless the mirrors of, of a wider phenomenon, cultural phenomenon, and of mm. course the collective psyche as it's adjusting at the moment. Yeah. And um, contemporary myths, and Lilith is a contemporary myth mm. in many respects, will reflect that too so people being on the same wavelength as that material and then their psyche resonating through a dream or, or mm. whatever mm. it does give us feedback in a different kind of way a, a way that Carl Jung obviously appreciated very deeply so yeah totally agree on that so what did you think James yourself then that you know the, the dream ego the dream ego's character was asked 
something or something was asked of him in relation to Lilith and Adam. Yes, it was. There was also some though another piece of information which people could find interesting <clears throat> is um I woke up immediately after that, after not much sleep, and then could not get back to sleep for hours. It was like there was um a physiological energy that would just permeate like up, it was in the chest, it was in, in, the, in the stomach. I had to get out of bed and sort of like just be awake for a while. It was quite uncomfortable actually. It was like wake up. As we said on this channel before, actually wake up, which uh, you know simultaneously also die and then wake up again perhaps. So yeah, it's um, it 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 is a confusing thing. We you, you hear all the time about the hero or whatever that happens to really mean needing to die and be reborn, but it it's not something I truly grasped. Probably still don't at all, but at least until recently, what that really means. It's not. It's not an empty phrase, you know, it's having to let go of yourself and a lot of what you believe to be yourself is an exceptionally difficult thing to do, but it's, it's not at random and it's not, it's for a greater purpose and it, it does seem to be sort of drawn out of you. As I've gone along with this material and along with, with you two, it, it's not, you know, burn off Deadwood per se because you're not strong enough it's you're not adapted enough to where you have to be that, that that's that's probably a better way um to to, to put it but you, you were going to mention about um the 17th century regarding adam himself and not wanting to Please, just, yeah, re just react briefly to what james has just said because i think it could be important um do you think in some ways it might be an, an initiatory dream james i mean if if that was um say a woman's dream as opposed to a man's dream and and there was uh, energy stirring in the unconscious i i would think that that was some kind of initiatory dream something that was you know encouraging you as i think you're saying to awaken to something to, to some new reality and obviously there will be um for men and for women uh, a kind of a, a resonance between outer and inner life. And sometimes you get this with the unconscious. It's as if a, a storm is stirring in the unconscious, as if it's mobilizing energy for change and for movement forward. Um, and so I, I'd just be curious to know whether or not that would resonate with you in that way. Yeah, yeah, it certainly does. I mean, it's using the images from the Lilith story, but obviously it's not about the Lilith story. So it's like, okay, what is that? Well, Adam is clearly, and bearing in mind the, the, the dream specified Adam, not a specific Adam. It's just Adam as such. It's like, Almost okay. Almost a, a generic Adam. Yeah, yeah. So so that's something to note. And then it was like for Lilith. Well, is it or is it for something else? Now, obviously, um, especially on, on the Discord, which has been actually really entertaining to be a, be a part of, to slowly move the type of material that we're talking about forward towards that more divine form that 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 more advanced level if, if you can say of anima animus development and what that looks like at the very end and obviously i've been searching for that in and outside of myself for you know the last little while along along with those guys so it's like okay you obviously haven't found it yet if you're not a finished person this is perhaps is something you have to bear in mind so yes um i think so because how else could you reach what you want without first having to let go of what you have but you don't really want you know so it would have to be an initiation dream so so that and, and the chances are and it's probably true for all of us that there will be many initiation dreams 
because essentially it, it's a it's a hero or a heroine cycle of sorts isn't it in so much as you're coming to a new understanding maybe of yourself um and so you would expect there to be a lot of energy constellating around that in the unconscious and there's there's no doubt uh even in terms of of our outer relationship that you you are changing and you are developing mm. and uh we we see that mm. And uh, I mean that that's a great thing because, like you say, it, it it's a journey. It's a it's a progression towards the archetype, the archetypal masculine, and it doesn't happen in in um, just you know in one event overnight. It, it'll happen over and over yeah. and over again as you you know you there are approximations to the goal, really, aren't they? Um, and um, you you can we know that's happening for you because we see the outer change. Yeah, I, th I think most people can if they've tracked the videos through. I was watching even early Young to Live by content. I was what looking at it, and it's like the different ways in which I speak or the way in which I present myself. It's just maybe because I know myself. I say more than a viewer would know myself, obviously, because it's, it's through a screen. But there's little things where I'm like, they're not there anymore. They're gone, and uh, or, or at least I hope that they're gone. Um, yeah, and it's used obviously swirling energy. The fact that that then lasted for it was about three hours after after the dream when I was up and it was like like buzzing and it was really uncomfortable to be honest. It was exciting. It's like it, it was a mixture between you know like sort of like rap song type energy, where you want to go you know take over the world, but at the same time it's uncomfortable and it's like something something gonna pull you back down again. Um, yeah, so that that energy could have lasted after waking up. I don't know. It's one of those peculiar things. I can give you some kind of correlate for that, if, if that's okay. Um, and we have to go back in the story to Eden for that, because it wasn't just Adam and Eve and in the background, sorry, Adam and Lilith in the background of Demiurge. You actually read out, if you remember, um, about another character who was present there as well, who turns up in the 17th century in Lilith 1. The first one, this is the one we're considering, and also towards the end of that story, and his role is pivotal. I say his because he's male in a certain special sense. Um, that's the character of Viridius, otherwise known as the Green Man, present in Eden. An unintended consequence of this world's creation was that the world itself had a soul, matter itself has a soul, and we see. In the, the prologue to, to the Lilith no, uh, novel, the presence of this elemental force watching what's going on. He's a spectator at this stage. And also behind him there's a complementary feminine spirit who at this stage is invisible because Lilith has not given sufficient substance in the material world for that to take form. But it's important because of what you just said, because he turns up in the 17th century part of the story as a parallel thread within the weave. He's a blacksmith. And blacksmiths have always been known, at least up until recent times, as being supernatural. They have some alchemical power because they can transform things from the earth into metals. And they do it by the application of heat. You mentioned before the burning off dead wood. I honestly, I, I have an idea where that, analogy or similes come from mm. it's it's not the right one for alchemy it's metal um, the pattern welding that goes into making a sword for example is extremely complicated layer upon layer is heated beaten cooled 
repeat and this is the process of being forged in the fire so this character then this man viridius this deity this, this elemental spirit of the earth is a psychopomp and he turns up in the 17th century at some distance still watching lilith and von hess and their progress very very importantly because he and his feminine counterpart who is a deity of water feminine deity of water have to see how that process is unfolding how are the humans going through this how how's von hess who's an augmented human already uh, how's lilith moving through this what will the consequences be for the world in other words for the greater personality think of the story as a model of the wider personality and all of the characters therein are elements potentially of all of us masculine and feminine but he, ha he has this role and he has with him a young boy an irish lad who's his apprentice and most of the interplay if you like with this character is against the witch finder who is trying to hunt Lilith down in the 17th century and he intercedes in that process because he knows the time isn't right <coughs> yet even though Lilith in many respects is opposite to him it's still too premature to step in and try to stop her perhaps we'll see how the story unfolds but he has as I say a young boy who's an apprentice that young boy and his spirit, his soul, is descended from Adam. But he turns up in the third part of the story as a, a fully mature man about to go through late life transition. And he's a deaf psychologist, he's a Jungian analyst, that young lad, when he turns up in the 21st century. And Lilith now realises who and what he is, who stands behind him, Viridius the psychopomp of the earth itself and of nature and of the natural cycles that come through nature and that therefore she has to see to him as well he's a threat a different kind of threat he represents a different kind of if you like or aspect of the the archetype of the masculine so that's important and your dream in a way is prescience of the alchemy that you need to go through Plus, all of, all of the boyos, all of the young lads need to go through a continual process of pattern welding, of being heated up, beaten, cooled down, and so on. Layer upon layer upon layer, until you, as a sword, if you like, is complete, and you're able to go out into the world and cut your own way through things. So, it's, it's highly significant. I think that's what Pauline meant, mm. too. Yeah, I'm using a more mythological sort yes. of um, description that's commensurate with the book. But as your dream included Lilith, it is therefore in context with that. So yeah, that element is very, very important. And if you go through a process of pattern-welded self-development, then in effect, if you follow a Jungian path of individuation, you become an analyst, whether you've only ever analysed yourself or yourself and others. That's the process that's involved. And that young boy represented people who go through conscious individuation. Mm. And when he's the blacksmith's pupil, he's going through that in an apprenticeship mode, a mentored mode. Well, when we meet him in the 21st century, he's lost contact with that guiding spirit. And that's where his weakness is. He thinks he's a done deal. He thinks he's finished. He thinks there's nothing more left to do. He's completely comfortable. And he withdraws from engagement with life, with his instincts, and even with his anima, because he thinks he's understood it. Like Carl Jung said, at the end of his life, he said, I, ha I have no need anymore to listen to the insinuations of the anima. Well, I hope that was true for him. 
because if it's not true it will come it will come for you and it will try and claim you back mm -hmm. on your hubris and that's what happened to this young analyst in the 21st century part of the story they were shadowing Lilith literally shadowing Lilith and Adam and Von Hess to see what kind of a job they would make of that process and in Jungian terms the self archetype and the genomic self do that and if we don't get it right they will produce and project forces out into your individual life and out into the world that will hold you to account so there is a metaphor there a strong one I hope people picked up on it when they they've read the read the story that it's not just Lilith it's not just Von Hess it's not just Adam everybody has a part to play in this process in this narrative and that subtext which started in Eden when the spirit of the world the spirit itself of the very earth and of life and rebirth and rejuvenation in the form of Viridius the green man that ancient deity that appears in all cultures across the world a true archetypal image in that sense witnessed this force that came into material creation and witnessed the mistake that was made by Adam in the beginning and indeed by the Demiurge and as you follow it through across the three stories the three novels the three scripts we then see the reckoning that comes at the end between all of these forces. Hopefully it'll be a little unexpected in its outcome. As you're, as you're speaking, uh, a little bit of that energy, just, just a little bit, like, um, like an echo starting to come back. So there's, there, there must be something in that. I remember also in another dream last night as well, and my dog definitely agrees, um, which, was, which was set in the 1600s, so the 17th century. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it, it was Elizabethan times, but she died in 1603. So we've got a three... A three-year window so there could you know potentially be some some, some um, overlap there there's a lot of alchemy around then and uh, in, in Elizabeth's reign of people like John Dee and others uh, and in some senses uh, Von Hess's persona as an alchemist because he's not just an Elizabethan or indeed a Stuart period alchemist he's older than them deeper than them he learned from Hermes Trismegistus himself in Alexandria in the story he actually mentions John Dee in the novel. It, it is a theoretical thing that we're talking about, and how it, it, it's such a crude question. How does one go through the alchemy to make themselves whole? But you, you know what I mean? What, what, what kind of things would that involve? If it's not, say, a burning off Deadwood idea, and the idea with that would be looking at the things you hate about yourself, more or less, or, or you don't like, things you no, can't stand. No, it's really the wrong place to start. Honestly, it's the wrong... It's it's uh, it's starting from uh, a festering wound that it's not a position of strength, and you need to start from a position of strength. Uh, even Eastern traditions know that you need to empty your mind. You, you you know you need to push out the crap. You don't need to dwell upon it. That's a mistake, uh, and that's something that is pushed out a lot by some of these contemporary internet gurus. You know, think of it this way, you've already gone through the crap, there's absolutely no need to paddle around in it any further. Now is the time to secure the place where you stand. And this is why I emphasise ego boundaries, ego boundaries, uh, as being really important before you, you, you push forward. If you don't have that, you just kind of wander around in the desert for 40 years, metaphorically. Uh, at best, you might even die of dehydration. You know, you know what I mean, metaphorically. You, so, just cut that crap out. Cut the crap, literally the crap, out. Forget it. Build a place to stand. 
you will then have some self-respect which is hugely important to have self-respect you can't build anything if you lack that basic idea that innately you're worth something and you're worth going through the process of pattern welding so going on about burning off what you hate about yourself and oh for god's sake yeah because that, that it does um that implies that you start off as like a perfect thing then you just accrue crap and then all you've got to do is burn that off and you become the perfect or co closer to perfection basically so it's it's not it's not a constructive viewpoint actually. It's more of just bringing you back down again. So so you, the metaphor you're using is more akin to, you you are like a sword, but maybe you're not the sharpest sword at the moment. Well, you're latent. You're you're, you're latent in the material. And isn't this the message of alchemy? Isn't this the message of the rosarium? You are latent in the material. The heating up in order to burn off the dross. Yes, of course that's part of the alchemical process. But to talk about dead wood. You know, it's not about dead wood. It's not about that. It's about what's inside the metal. Thus far, you've accumulated some dross. The process of living has done that. And an analysis of that is entirely appropriate. But to get too subsumed in it is to paddle around in the crap and to risk being trapped there. You mustn't do that. You've got to go through it. And the way you do that is to actually live. You have to live life, you have to go out, you have to pressure test everything. And, and that is the hammering of the blade. That's the repeated pattern welding. There is no achieving this without the achieving of it. It is a process. Just like in, in your own, if I can call it this, it may not be your personal mythology, but your interest in knighthood, for example, and, and what medieval knights went through, the process of being knighted was not sitting there burning off dead wood. It was going out there and having the metal of your armour hammered and, and your own sword edge being hit, struck, broken, sharpened, impacted against other swords. It's a process, an active process. And in order to do that, though, you have to have self-respect to even start. To get self-respect, you need to draw a boundary and say, I am this and beyond that boundary are others. If your boundary has been penetrated, it's, if it's become too diffuse, you literally spill everywhere. You're nothing, you have no form. So you have to start with that. And psychologically, in daily life, it's as simple as saying ego strength, ego strength. Yeah? You, you must focus on that, that first. No matter what kind of a mess you've been in up until that point, it's, it's a point at which you make a decision and say, enough, it stops now. <clears throat> And from this point, I rebuild. I build myself from within, from a place to stand. Yes, I've, I've accumulated dross, and I, I've analysed it. That's how I've gotten to where I am now. But I'm going to bring out my potential from within myself. And that's also an ethical and a moral thing to do for yourself. Have you guys heard of the black pill before? Uh, yeah, I've not really gone into any sort of uh, in-depth understanding of it. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, it's 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 a depressing thing, and it's not one thing either. It's like the red pill, of course, is oh, this is the real truth which no one else can see, and it's a little bit painful. But the black pill is basically saying we're all screwed. Well, it's very nihilistic, then, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. But it reminds me of of of, um, of what you're you're saying there. If you take say you know burning off Deadwood and, and everything else, that doesn't square particularly well with the culture in my mind whereas going out like a knight with a sword 
and 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 hardening yourself and and as you say pressure test yourself against it that's an antidote to the quote unquote black pill which yes is just the facsimile word for for nihilism uh, it, uh, basically sort of like reproductive nihilism most of the time and, and anyway i much prefer that idea i think it's much better well, yeah. re re reproductive nihilism is um is a is a really really weaponized notion which has been pushed at, at young men and even young women in different ways you know the, the, the preponderance of, of abortion now whatever people feel about that is nevertheless the extinction of life and the tendency towards being a woman mm -hmm. who gives life the woman as Pauline was, was mm -hmm. telling me yesterday for her I expect on a visceral instinctive level forgive me if I'm misinterpreting you here but it looked like that was the antithesis of giving life as a general principle would, yeah would well, women embody yeah. life as well mm. as giving life mm. don't they mm. and um clearly there is a there is a dark side to the feminine mm. and um i i think I, I guess what we're talking about more broadly are, again are instincts and yeah. connecting with instincts whether you're a man or a woman yeah. positively um, that way you can overcome all manner of things and if you if you think for example um, as the animus as, as being this dark force intrapsychically within a woman that um, wants and insists on dominance over that woman at all costs or insists on dominance uh, in, in an external relationship to a man then if, if she's if, if everything is processed through that essentially that woman is out of touch with her her deep feminine instincts with, with with her own fundamental nature and that can only be harmful to both her and also the relationship that she has to that man as well yeah. so I think just to uh, like you say Steve you, you know that these things exist you don't want to paddle around in them no. Uh, you, you know that that darkness exists so mm. I guess the challenge is what you do about it and what you do about it in, a, in an everyday sense when mm. it comes to to relationships yeah um, and, and I think there are a lot of positive things that you can mm. you can do and say about that well you, you were telling me these before actually just, uh, before we started filming today yeah love yeah and yeah the practical side of it's important um, what, what what would you suggest then um, well, I would probably start by taking it, uh, for women anyway, um, obviously I can't comment so much for men, but we've, for women's psychology, we've talked a lot about the blue beard myth. And, um, the thing about that story is that it, it uncovers four shadowy interjects that, that women fall prey to. Mm. And one is um, to have no vision, in other words, to not see what's going on, the kinds of things mm. that, that might harm them, both on the inside and the outside. Um, to have no insight, in other words, to um, not have any deeper understanding of the circumstances or the predicaments that they might get themselves into. Um, thirdly, to have to have no voice, to feel that they don't have any way of of telling their their truth or or um, you know asserting their own truth about things, uh, and the fourth one would be um, action, in so much as well you you know you know about the other three. Uh, and you have some way of understanding your, your situation. Mm. Um, so having done that, what, what then do you do about it? Mm. Both, again, intrapsychically and in the outer world in terms of your relationships. Mm. So 
<clears throat> I, I think probably that's the that's a very good starting place, really. Yeah. For understanding things yeah. and, and to um, to be able to move forward positively and, like I say, not just paddle around Absolutely, in yeah. the negativity. Yeah. All so the time. it boils down to action, doesn't it? Yes, it and does. For the boyos, then understanding mm. what Pauline's just said about how women internally experience the darker side of the animus, you'll get some idea of what their fear is behind what they emit at you. Yes. Because, you know, a lot of that will be defensive and the fact that they've been told repeatedly for probably 50 years now across a number of generations mm. um, that, that men were something to be feared, uh, they had all the power. Yeah. And so that fear then turns into a reaction, which is the, the culture that we've got now. There are political parts of that. It's being manipulated politically. Uh, but they've been progressively <clears throat> wound up to such a point where it doesn't need much more to tip them over into what we see manifest now with respect to women in this young women yeah. uh, in, in this culture but behind that are those archetypal fears and men have archetypal fears as well mm. and fear and attraction at an instinctive level are very very close to one another mm. and they can exchange and switch places very very easily this is something that you get in narratives and myths fairy tales folklore all the time is what am I really seeing here as yes. opposed to what's actually there that's right. uh, and that's a process that uncovers through engagement so what I was saying before about metaphorically then having been hammered if you like by that process you have to go out and test your metal this is what it means in that sense mm. go out and test yourself and uh, draw the better side out mm. of the women by being archetypally a better man and by that I like with the last podcast, not suggesting some overamped, one-sided, paleo-human. Mm. You'll be treated accordingly if you do that. Mm. So, so don't fall for it. So, yeah, that, that that's what I what I would suggest. And again, the thing about the Lilith story is it tackles so much. We've only just touched the surface of the, of the processes that run through that and the challenges that run through. There's an immense amount that can be communicated through that. If, if you address it properly mm. nothing is wasted no character is wasted they all have their place they all, all have their interaction right away through lifespan right towards the end if, if there was one thing that I'd want to emphasize about the animus in, in terms of I guess helping both men and women to understand it, it is really um, what I started off by saying which is is that it 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 wants it wants dominance it insists on dominance both over the woman herself and mm. over her outer relationship to men yeah and i think that's um i think that's so important to understand that dynamic really yeah. because um in in because it's set up in that way because it's innate in women mm. then it will if they if they don't work on that on the inside it will try and destroy them mm. And if, if they don't understand that dynamic in their outer relationships to men, it will destroy their relationships to men and as, well. as well. And therefore them as yeah. well. It's as if, and uh, you know, Clarissa, who we've spoken about a lot, mm. um, she talks about, for example, the cruel attitude that a woman will take towards herself. Yeah. And I just think that's such a simple um, but um, 
beautiful way of putting it really yeah. because uh, sort yeah. of use those two words in the same sentence yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, and um, if you're cruel to yourself and you tr and you try and destroy yourself on the inside if you have a low opinion of yourself if you talk yourself down all the time um, and you don't work on on building yourself if you don't work on um, reducing the amount of negativity in your life if you don't look at um the kind of toxic relationships that that, that you have that you will be better mm. to move away from um or, or to thin out if you don't develop your creativity as a woman if you don't understand how your instinctive nature is is being impaired by the culture in, in which you live uh, if you don't do those positive things then you give ground to this destructive force within you yeah. and and it will <laughs> it will become more hateful yeah. and more jealous yeah. and more destructive of you yeah. and if, if you really really don't understand that this is happening inside you you will project it onto outer men yeah. and they will be the ones doing the hating they will be the ones mm. who are trying to apparently to destroy you mm. they will be the ones who are trying to put out your creative fire the problem will be out there out there and you know it mm. it's so easy to do that and, and to just push it away and to mm. blame out a man and I just think it's so essential for for women to get to grips with that but for men to understand that dynamic too because yeah it, it will strive for dominance yeah. there's no doubt you see it over and over again yeah and the culture has reinforced that it is and that's been driven politically at the it moment is, yeah. and uh, well, once you set that wheel in motion it doesn't take much to speed it up you're no. gonna have to add a little bit more no. pressure to that spinning wheel yeah and uh that's it yeah. you know uh, yeah. and so the, the task you yeah. guys is you must have self-respect you've got to start from that position you know just say enough with yes. respect to turning yourself into a shit fest on the inside and paddling around in crap yes. and paddling around in the shadow yeah you know uh, on the promise there's some gold in there you only get to the gold if you stop digging believe it or not you just dig a deeper hole and get buried in it otherwise it will emerge you see you're 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 supposed to be well you're not supposed to be paddling around in shite all your life mm. it, it's not supposed to be that way the whole of your biology is set up for you to maximize your health and your potential understanding that we have a shadow is okay that's absolutely fine and yes there is some uh, un unresolved gold in there some potential that, that we can reach and in get but guess what it will emerge all by itself if you do the right things but but don't don't go looking for crap because if you're not careful it'll get in your eyes and then that's all you'll ever see whether you look out or you look in ultimately that's all you're ever going to see it will reinforce any depression you fit you're feeling about yourself or your circumstances and i'm not suggesting oppositely charged Pollyanna CBT type crap thinking I'm not I'm saying be natural about yourself mm. that's really really important so yeah start start with that start with by, by saying I stand here wherever you find yourself at that moment and then build from that 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 is the masculine protest as Alfred Adler called it it is to assert the fact that you are of value to yourself principally and initially and then begin to express what comes through because you've opened up that line from you deep into your genomic self hugely important that you do that
don't get distracted into woo-woo or into digging for shit because that's all you'll find well we've mentioned the black pill so far <clears throat> uh, have you guys heard of the red pill oh yeah yeah yes. yeah yes so uh, obviously not in terms of the matrix necessarily but the the primarily online cultural movement which um i i sympathize with it a lot actually out, out of all of the online movements i get it i think the solutions of are self-evidently flawed because these guys basically end up with okay this is where i'm going to get myself into trouble because there are so many passionate people for all the different schools of the red pill but the general idea of course is that the state of between men and women currently culturally is not set up in men's favor in so many different ways and of course of course the most obvious one is like divorce courts for example how they get absolutely raked over the coals and that's not a pleasant thing ultimately the the solution is putting a band-aid on things for men to protect themselves because that nuclear family which people tend to and a lot, a lot of these guys are like more conservative christian types in, in the culture that nuclear family quote-unquote ideal is not going to come out of that process like or if it is it's going to be incredibly rare and it seems to be men who have either been burned on their own masculinity or men who for some reason have got themselves involved with women with animus issues and so the response of course is to write off not all women but to write off female nature as something to be incredibly cautious of and that and if they can they will go through something called hypergamy which and, and not in in the way hypergamy is usually defined in other species but with humans which is basically if you let a, um, a little crack in your masculinity appear then the woman is going to go bye take either take you out or jump off to another man so there are thousands and thousands and thousands of these th these guys it's almost like a rite of passage for say a boyo to go through that phase at some point and then lots of people come out the other side i'm wondering what you guys especially pauline i think actually would say to guys who are in a state like that where there is that level of d despair but they are trying their best with a masculine protest it just seems to be maladapted i just want to know what, what, what your take would be on that well i think um what what you're not seeing there is essential feminine nature you, you you're seeing something really quite grotesque in a way which is um a a woman who's behaving more like and we use this expression before more like a a pseudo man um and i guess it, it's it's a complicated thing isn't it because obviously um it, it will be context specific for each person but I think men have to, if, if you suspect at all instinctively that, that that is what you're getting from a woman, I think the first thing to do is to not, if you can possibly do it, is to not absorb the, proje the projections that are coming at you. Because otherwise you, you will just become a whipping post. And, and it will, you will experience it as... Um, you know a, a horrific assault on your on your masculinity and of course as you said before the culture doesn't help with this it doesn't assist with this because you know w women um are being pushed to be dominant rather than be equal and and you you, you see it within the family sometimes too where um for example um a mother's unlived life will be expressed through her daughter um, and so, you know, the daughter takes on that task 
and um, a bit like with with Lilith becomes mm. uh, almost reckless yeah. and willful yeah. um, uh, and, and destructive in the process. But the father is marginalised and the father's influence and the father's um, position and say on things is marginalised. So he's unable because the, the, the animus is dominating the situation. Um, he, he's not allowed to assert himself in a way that would be protective, say, of his daughter and actually assist her and, and, and work in and work for her on the inside in a protective capacity in the outer world because the mother intervenes, the mother's animus intervenes, if you like, in that relationship. So like I say, you, you see it in the broader context within the family where men just probably give up in the end and feel, well, they don't have a say on anything because, you know, what can they add to that? So I think C's right, that the, the men do have to build themselves, mm. they do have to start with, with what's positive um, and to not just to, to, and I know it's easier said than done, but not to buckle under that pressure. I mean, if I can um, just, just give a brief example, I'm reminded of um, when Gareth was little mm. and, we, and we were in a social situation yeah. where he was misbehaving a little bit basically and and uh, it, it had gone on and it had gone on a bit too long and I was trying to get him to uh, adapt to things and to understand that, that this was a social situation and he should respect how other people feel and that they might be you know trying to just relax and, and have a nice meal out and so on and you took a firmer line on it it was like well this has gone on too long I'm go we're going to draw the line here and we're, go and we're going home and at the time um, I guess I felt a bit irritated by that, um, but it was, and I remember you saying to me very clearly, but I can't be a mother. There's mm. no point in, in Gareth having two mothers, mm. so you can't expect me to react the same way instinctively as you would. Mm. Not, not a criticism of how I was dealing with the situation because I was dealing with it on an instinctive basis. As a, as a mother. As a mother. Yeah. But you also had to be allowed to, to behave instinctively as a man and as a father. Yeah, because I couldn't do otherwise. Because you couldn't do otherwise. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think those kind of dynamics are being undermined mm. within the family and I, I think they're creating a whole manner of problems. Yeah, on on the the mother and father thing, um, and that that whole whole dynamic, you know, I've been I've been through three universities now. I know what it's like, and so so to say, men should be men and women should be women is like, oh, you oh you don't say that. How dare you? That's taking away freedom, but it's the wrong way to look at it. I, I yeah, really, really absolutely. So. <laughs> because a woman who's animus possessed is anything but free. Yeah anything but free she's being controlled from within that's the deception that's the thing mm. that women need to wake up to that they're not in control of themselves at all and it's the same with the anima and men um and this is the problem within some i'm not going to name names but some internet gurus male ones are actually anima possessed themselves to the extent that they're completely unconscious of their relating function and whatever is utilising that is utilising them. And you see it by what they express. As we've said, James, by his libido shall ye know him. And by libido, I mean their general life energy. Where is it ducting off into? Mm. If they're talking about depression and dark things all the time, well, that's all you're going to get out of them. Which is why I'm saying don't paddle around in the shadow because all you'll get is shit. It's, it's not a good thing to do. 
if you allow what Jung called the self-archetype, what he called that, to release properly its potential, you won't have to do it. You won't have to paddle, paddle around like that. The anima for a man is vitally important. The shadow is merely inconsequential in comparison because it works both ways, internally and externally. And externally is all your external relations, all of your communications, all of your belief systems. And if you're you know, one of these internet lecturers, a lecture, it'll come out through that as well. All of it. So if you want to know anybody, just, just get a read on their libido. Mm -hmm. It will light up everything in their life, absolutely everything. Mm. And if it's into power, you'll see it being expressed through politics. So when people misunderstand me and think I'm criticising Nietzsche when I talk about the will to power, I'm following Jung and his criticism of Alfred Adler, not Frederick Nietzsche. I'm not making a philosophical statement and making a psychological observation on the truth that Jung expressed that when he said that the opposite to love is not hate, it is the will to power. Where the will to power rules, there is no love yes. because you're not relating. Yes. And anyway, hate mm. is just a negative form of attraction. Mm. If you hate something or someone, you're still relating to yeah. them. It's yeah. toxic and it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But it's not the opposite no, of the relating yeah, function. No. Uh, that's why, the, as you were saying earlier, yeah. James, about divorce courts, that's why the, the, the battles that men and women have in divorce courts are so passionate. For men who get caught up in philosophy, right, and philosophising and causing that logic loop on the inside, you can think of that as being uh, Athena, if you like, as an embodiment, the Greek goddess Athena, of wisdom, but malfunctioning because they're not relating to that at all, properly on the inside. Mm. They're being trapped in there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know? So yeah. It's, it's like the dark side of Athena, yes. if you like, of thinking in a man, whether that thinking is analytical mm. thinking in the, in the normal sense of the word, whether it's Jungian typology thinking, whether it's Jungian typology feeling. They're trapped on the inside, mesmerized by Athena, yeah. the goddess of wisdom, except that it isn't Athena. It's a facsimile of it, it's a fantasy of it that's caused a man in that. And there's a failure to live properly, that is to say, to relate externally. And I see it over and over again with well-intentioned and intelligent young men. They've tried to solve the riddle that this culture has offered them and they've fallen back on philosophy. Please, that's not living. It's not. Mm. At least if you were a Greek philosopher, you would have been a soldier as well, yeah. because you would have been obliged mm. to be. Socrates was a hoplite. He put on his armour and went out and fought battles, and then he could have the luxury of philosophising. But if you're trapped only in philosophy and you're not actualising your life in the world, then you're selling yourself short, and you're not really seeing Goddess Athena at all. You're seeing something very nasty and very, very, very much entrapping. Again, if, if if you go into philosophy, what do you think that's going to do to a woman's anima? Sorry, animus. What's it going to do to a woman's <clears throat> animus if you philosophise all the time? She'll see you as a wimp. Oh, yeah. And a complete lack of engagement mm. with the materiality of life, mm. the reality of substance. She is a substance. Why the hell would you just back off and philosophise and not relate? Don't do it. It's stupid. Stop following these bloody philosophers. Have you ever heard of a clinical philosopher? <laughs> Have any of them ever gone into mental health and got anybody straight? No, they fucking haven't. And there's a reason for that. A fairly obvious one. Yeah? This is why psychology developed. 
out from philosophy. It escaped from it, out into the world. Its purpose was to re relate to reality. There's huge inertia in that way of engaging with life. Don't do it. It'd be far better to go and chop a tree down or to build a wall or to construct something with your hands mm -hmm. and to live fully engaged in that way. Then, then your psyche will emerge properly from within you if, you if you have that balance. But if you disappear into yourself, into these ridiculous, reductive, nihilistic delusions that philosophy, contemporary, contemporarily anyway, seems to be producing, you'll get absolutely nowhere. Be a hammered blade. Be a hammered blade and go out into the world. Find your woman and show her that you're worthy of her femininity being drawn out from the entrapment that the culture has forced her into because they're, they're lost as well yes yeah remember the judgments mm. of paris yeah he took beauty over wisdom and power out of the three goddesses and he made an enemy of the two that he didn't choose whichever one he chose he would have made an enemy of the other two that seems nihilistic but it's actually quite empirical and pragmatic it says you have to fight the fight and if you choose beauty over wisdom and power you have to live with those consequences but instead of falling flat on your ass what you should get up and do is say fine i've made my choice but i'm going to go out i'm going to claim the other two as well that will be the heroic thing to do you know judgment of paris troy yeah he brought all you know homer's iliad and the odyssey crashing down on his head and on the heads of many many other people as well so be very very careful when you're young that you don't just go looking for appearances and sometimes you can mistake that inner woman, the appearance of the inner woman as being Athena, goddess of wisdom. And you know what? She's not there sometimes. It's a phantasm, a compensatory dynamic that you've internalised as a neurotic alibi for your failure to engage with life. Now that failure is human and it's forgivable entirely if you stand up. If you stand up and get out there, draw on your instincts, allow mm -hmm your genomic self and your psychological self, which is an expression of that, to release to you what you need to have to engage with the world. Then when you engage with women, even if they are in a disordered mess, you will be able to draw out from them what they need from within their own lapis, within their own stone. Yeah. Women should stop trying to feminise men yeah. and have their own femininity back. Well, there you go bang bang on practical real world because this is what we experience isn't it clinically well, well it is i mean you know we, we again we see it all the time out there in the culture and if we can kind of bring it back to the context uh, of the family again which of course is a, a subunit of culture anyway mm. um you, you see it all the time pushed you I mean you see and, and this might be controversial to say um Fathers, for example, are allowing their little girls to put makeup on them and make mm -hmm. them dress up as furries and dance round and, and, and to essentially make them look like buffoons. Mm -hmm. And and it's as if somehow women have have been persuaded that, that, that this this is a good thing to do, that it's somehow cute for men to interact with their daughters in that way. Uh, I mean, it could be argued that actually, you know... <laughs> That kind of that level of intimacy uh, is is a, a shift of, of intimacy away from the relationship that they should be having with yeah. their wives, yeah. and so the daughters, to some extent, albeit innocent of it, are being burdened with that too. Yeah. So whether whether you're a man or a woman, it's about getting back to 
what is right and what is instinctive for you yeah. as a as a man or a woman yeah. um because you know we, we can't really continue like this no. it's uh, it, no. it's destroying it is culture the more vigorous cultures will intrude and well, more vigorous cultures wouldn't put up with it no they wouldn't and that's what i meant they will in, they will yeah. intrude it, it it boils down to that sadly access your own instincts for completeness not for being one-sided yeah. engage with women and if you do it in an authentic way you will encourage them to release their femininity because they will feel the instinctive push to do that so important yes and um, i think when women can deal with this intra-psychic predator and, and mm. they stop having this cruel attitude towards themselves on the inside, then they can they can love themselves properly yeah. without wanting to sound cliche about it. And therefore they can love men properly for yeah. who and what they are too. Yeah. 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 That's the way forward.